We've basically got one point to our message today, and uh, if, you, if you get this, it could change your life. And here, here's the point I want to make. The straightest path to happiness is devoting ourselves to the happiness of others. If you want to get there, and you want to get there quickly, and you want to experience happiness, the best way to do that is to decide you want to make somebody else happy. I mean, today is a great illustration of this as we're celebrating those among us who adopt and who do orphan care and who do foster care. It's a great growing number. And, and despite the hardships and the, the struggles and challenges, they would all tell you them giving themselves to these children has brought so much happiness in their life. It, it's so practical when you walked into this, this building today. Uh, if you came in here just waiting for someone to make you happy, buddy, make me happy, somebody greet me, make me happy, you know, some of you, you, you stand there like, you know, I dare you to make me happy. I, I dare you to speak to me, you know? Well, here's the truth is, if you walk in that way, you probably won't leave this place happy today. But if you walk in here thinking, you know what, I have been sent by God to make somebody here happy, it's going to happen in your life. It's simply the way it works. The more you pour into other people to make them happy, the happier you are. You know that if you're married. If you go into your marriage thinking, what can they do for me? How are they going to make me happy? How will they fulfill me? You'll end up being unfulfilled. But if you decide God has called you to that marriage to make someone else happier, you'll experience that. Now, Jesus put it in some very simple words that I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Say that with me. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And that's a nice sentence. And it makes for a a sweet poster. But today I want you to look beyond that and to see the context of where that was said. It will add so much more meaning to just this nice sweet phrase, it's more blessed to give than to receive. This is found in Acts chapter 20, all right? And, and it always sort of pops out to you because it, it's red letters if you have a red letter Bible. And, and normally we're, we're used to red letters in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but we're not too used to them past there. And, and this phrase is not ever found in the Gospels. It's one of those things John said in John 20 that, weren't, that was not written in the Gospels. And so when you get there, it sort of it pops out to you. Because all of a sudden you've got this phrase from the lips of Jesus. Now, let's study it a little bit deeper. First of all, what does the word blessed mean? Here's the best definition I can find. Happiness from being favored. I I know some of us are a little uncomfortable with the way I've been using the word happy over the last weeks. Because you were taught what I was taught, that God doesn't necessarily want you to be happy. He wants you to be joyful. And I've even said before, God's more interested in your holiness than he is in your happiness. But what I've come to the conclusion is God wants both. And someone said, well, but this is such a light view because happiness is based on happening. In other words, if everything's going good in my life, I can be happy. On a really rough day, I can't be happy. This verse today in context will blow that away. Now, listen. I agree that happiness is based on happening, on happenings in your life. But here's what you've got to understand today. The happening that makes you happy is that you have been adopted into God's family. 
It's not whether life's going your way or you get the raise or you get the house or the new car. It's based on the happening of what Jesus has actually done in your life. And that's why this word, best, is translated, not blessed, but happy. Young's literal translation, Old and New Testament, takes the Hebrew word for this and the Greek word and says, the best translation is happy. The exegetical dictionary lists happy before blessed as the best translation. You see, there is a more distinctive, different word that they could have chosen for blessed. But they chose the word for happy. And I think that we have a loss because we didn't see that. Because somehow we come up with the idea that God doesn't really want us happy. And even worse, we lose a bridge with people who don't know Jesus, who don't really have a clue of what blessed means. Uh, We don't sing, happy, blessed day to you. We sing happy birthday. We, 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 we sing because, excuse me, I meant to say we don't sing blessed birthday to you. We sing happy birthday to you, all right? Why? Because that connects. I, I like this um, scholar and preacher, G. Campbell Morgan, said, I wish we were brave enough to write in our Bibles happy instead of blessed, for that's the right translation. And so some of our newer versions, I think, get it better. They say this. You are happier giving than getting. Listen, you are happier giving than getting. Say that with me. You are happier giving than getting. Do we believe that? Do we really believe? It's not about what people do for me. It's what I could do to make them happy. I love the story of the little six-year-old boy. He's got a friend in the neighborhood, a teenager, who just turned 16. The teenager's older brother had given him a brand new car for his 16th birthday. And he's showing the little six-year-old, expecting him to be so impressed with the motor and the options and everything in the car. And then the little boy says, after he goes through that long speech, the teenager, the little boy says, you know what? I wish I could be a brother like that. You, you see, what's expected is, I wish somebody would give me a car like that. What's unexpected is he got the point, it would be better to be to give somebody that than to get it. And so that's the message. Now, here's the important part of today. I want you to see the context of where that nice little sweet phrase, it's more blessed to give than to receive, is found. It's found in Acts 20 in Paul's farewell to the Ephesian elders. This is Paul's farewell tour. He doesn't think things look good in front of him. He's frightened for his life. And here's what I want you to see, is when this is written, and Paul's going to tell us about his ministry in Ephesus for three years, it's not like Paul had been tiptoeing through the tulips. It's not like he had been preaching at Madison Square Garden, and everybody gave him a standing ovation. Things had been tough. They had been difficult. But in the middle of it, Paul says, I can be happy, not because of the worldly happenings, but because of what God has done in me. So let's go to this chapter and let's read together. It's a great, great story. Acts 20, verse 18. Now here's what's going on. Paul is in a hurry to get to Jerusalem and to deliver this gift from the the Gentile churches to the Jewish churches. 
And he wants to see these people in Ephesus because it's the longest place he ever ministered. But he doesn't have time. So he calls the elders to meet him at the seashore. They have to travel 30 miles, probably a day and a half journey just to, to meet him. And they meet, and Paul begins to remind them of what it means to be blessed in the middle of challenging times. Look at verse 18. When the elders arrived, Paul said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day, I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I did not hesitate to preach to you anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you both publicly and from house to house. I've declared to both Jews and Gentiles, Jews and Greeks, that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I know, only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider myself my life worth nothing to me. My only aim, listen to this closely, my only aim is to finish the race and to complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now, I know that none of you among whom I've gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today I'm innocent of the blood of any of you, for I've not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Then he begins to talk to those elders. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, things weren't going to be good for them either. Savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, Men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted any uh, one silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. Now here's where we find our red letters. In everything I did, I showed you by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Some people actually believe that, that this line from Jesus was what we would call today Paul's life verse. It's what dominated his life. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And then watch this emotional end here. When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was his statement they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. So, Paul says, in the midst of difficult times, I've been a whole lot happier because I've given my life to you. 
And so today I want us to just look quickly at what Paul said about how to give your life away. You see, a, a selfish life is a life where I'm concerned with my needs and my wants, and I'm unwilling to be interrupted by your needs and your wants. A selfless life is when I'm, yes, concerned with my needs, but I'm also willing to be interrupted and distracted for your needs. And that's what Paul does. And he gives his life away. And so here's the truth this morning, is when you give yourself away, is when you really find this happiness. You know, last week we talked about things that were counterintuitive. We've got another counterintuitive statement here. It doesn't seem natural. It doesn't seem right. It's better to give than to get. Everything in my worldly self, my flesh says, I'd rather get. But Paul says, you're never going to find true happiness that way. So how did he give? Let me give you just a few points. First of all, Paul gave personally. I mean, he, he goes, he lives among them. Paul doesn't send them a sermon CD. He doesn't ask them to go on the website and listen to him. He goes and he lives among them. You see, there's a big difference when someone's hurting or in need in sending a card and in sending yourself. He goes three years and he lived among them. And you give yourself personally. It's easy to give from a distance. It's more difficult and challenging to give yourself. Next, he gave humbly and boldly. Isn't that surprising? That's sort of an odd combination. That he gives humbly, and yet all of a sudden this guy is also so bold with the gospel. Yet those two things can go together. One of the most difficult things for me to learn in parenting was, you can be firm with your children and be kind. You see, what happened to me is, let's say they're wanting to do something, and they'd bug me and bug me and bug me. Either I would cave, or I would finally get mad enough just to scream at them and say, you're not going to have that. That's not going to work. But what I learned in the long run, it was not only easier, but it was funner just to be kind. Uh, you're not going. You're not going to happen. I'm, I mean, you can stay home and play checkers with me and mom. It's going to be a great night. I mean, you're, you're, you're going to love this. Oh, you can ask me as many times as you want to, but the answer is still going to be the same. We're just going to have a big time family-wise tonight. No, you can't go with your friends. Isn't that cool? You see, it, it's possible to hold your ground and be firm and at the same time, be kind. And it's possible for Paul to be bold, and yet at the same time, not full of himself. And that's the way he gives himself away. And then here's a really important part. Paul gave vulnerably. He said, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not sure about my life. He shares with these people his fears. I thought Stacy Glass was so riveting in her comments in this Sunday school hour where she talked about what scared her most about adopting was that you have to let yourself be vulnerable. You have to let other people help you. You have to show other people what's going on in your home. And that's what you love about Paul. He's vulnerable. He's not this stoic preacher who's got it all together. He even shares his fears. He even shares his tears with them. Do you notice how many times in these verses he's all teary? Why? Because he's sharing his life, friends. And guys, the, the way you get close to somebody is that you reveal something about yourself they wouldn't know otherwise. Vulnerability is the key to closeness. The reason some of you aren't very close to anybody is that you won't be vulnerable. Now, vulnerability is also dangerous. 
And so normally you just sort of barely crack the door open, and then they crack their door open, and then you tell them a little bit more about you, and they tell you a little bit more about them, and finally in your closest relationship, the door is just wide open. And you're vulnerable. And I think that's why people were so drawn to Paul. He shared his fears, he shared his tears, and they loved him. And then Paul gave purposefully. I mean, he is crystal clear about what he's doing. He says, guys, I really don't care what else happens in my life. You can, it doesn't matter to me. As long as I finish the race and complete the task, the task of testifying to the good news of Jesus Christ. Paul is focused. And then right there, you know, button up against it's more blessed to give than to receive. He tells you the focus of the people he gives to. He gives to the people that are weak. You know, Jesus said when he walked this earth, I didn't come to help the well people. I came to help the sick people, the folks who knew their lives were all screwed up. That's the folks I can help. Paul understands that. That's what's so wonderful about today because it's the vulnerable children among us and among the the entire world that we're having an opportunity to help. It's the weakest and the most vulnerable. In fact, in James 1, James will say that's the true worship. It's not just what you do in this assembly. It's what you do when you help the widows and the orphans in their distress. So he gave purposefully, and then he gave encouragingly. See, in the midst of this, he's got good news of God's grace to share with them. This is not a downer, though life is not easy. He's got the good news that God has loved you enough Despite all of your faults and frailties and all your failures and how dark your sin is, that our Lord wants to adopt us into his family. And then finally, Paul gave sacrificially. I mean, listen to the words. He was severely tested. He was put in prison in hardship. He says, this is not easy, guys. This is hard work. And let me just warn you, if you really want to be happy, this can take some hard work in the relationships around you. So, here's our theme today, happy squared. And and this is what it means in Acts chapter 20. The people in Ephesus, they were happy. They had had someone come in their life and pour their life into them. But here's what I really want you to see. The happiest person in the scene is Paul. Paul was happier because we believe what Jesus said. It's happier to give than to receive. Counterintuitive, but absolutely true. I was doing some research this week that said, if you would meditate 20 minutes a day about the happiness of two other people in your life, you actually become happier. I mean, this is not even doing anything right now. If you just would, some of your your time, instead of just thinking about yourself and what's going on with you, you would just stop and meditate. The two people you love are happy. It would elevate your mood. Now, we've experienced this. I grew up in a pretty small church. We didn't have a dynamic youth group. We didn't have a lot of things going on. But I'm telling you what changed my life as a teenager. It doesn't sound like something a teenager would even like to do. Every Thursday night, we visited the nursing home. Every Thursday night, we'd load up, and we'd go to the nursing home, and we'd pray with those people, and we'd sing with them. And I'm telling you, despite the smells, despite the atmosphere, 
despite the difficulties of a teenager trying to do that, we'd always say what you would say. You know what? We went there to be a blessing to them, and they were a blessing to us. You see, guys, the best thing you can do when you get in a bad mood is to go help somebody else. By the time I got to college, I figured that out. And so anytime I would get down and sad and struggling with life, there were two widow ladies in our church who lived in retirement homes. One was named Granny Millsap, and the other was Mary Lou Hurst. And, and, and I would just, you know, say, okay, buddy, enough thinking about yourself. Let's go see them. And again, you know what happens. Once you go and you come back, you think I'm going to go really make these girls day you know i'm here they are sitting oh no no they made my day and so let's believe the words of jesus it's happier to give than to receive i want to challenge you today that the straightest path to happiness is devoting yourself listen closely to the happiness of somebody else now today we have the perfect time to illustrate that so i want to invite patrick and katie beth to come up and join me on stage as we talk about adoption and, and orphan care, these are part of the people that have led this wonderful movement in our church. And um, I just want to talk with them a little bit. I was talking with someone who had adopted this week, and, and they, were, they were talking about all the decisions they had made in their life. And they said, you know, I doubt a lot of decisions I've made in my life. I doubt the house I've bought. I doubt my job. I doubt. But the, the one thing I've never doubted or never been more confident in is that this adoption was part of God's plan. And you guys, let's, let's show a picture of their, their family. If you can go ahead and skip to that. Uh, this is a, a wonderful family among us. And I want Patrick, if you would, just to introduce us. Yeah, that's, uh, that's our family um, on the left. Top left there, you probably, some of you know Miller. He's a freshman at ACA. He's 14. We got him from South Korea. And uh, he was, what, eight, eight months old? 16? 15. 15 months. <laughs> 15 months old. Close. You should have never tried, Patrick. <laughs> I know. I should have just left it. <laughs> and then Andre's there in the middle. He's from Guatemala. We got to spend two weeks in Guatemala when we got him. And, and it's just time with Katie and I just to be with him. It was pretty incredible. And then Keenan's the bottom left there. He's from Dallas, and we got there when he was 11 hours old. And we're wanting to add to this picture? Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're looking Hopefully. to adopt a third. Um, a fourth. I mean, a fourth. <laughs> <laughs> See, the numbers are not coming out. <laughs> That's me a little girl. really impressive. So, a little girl. How many children do you have? I'm not sure. <laughs> That's good. Now, Katie Beth, uh, as we talk about this, because we, we could paint this rosy picture and it's it's difficult what are some of the hardships and uh, what are some of the hurdles that you guys have had to to get past to get here um i think for me um two two things that come to mind um the first thing is um the adoption process for me was probably the most difficult thing that I've ever faced. And um, it was harder for me, um, even than infertility. Um, with adoption, it's not just that you have tons of paperwork that um, you have to somehow, you know, for us, go into debt, a whole, whole lot of debt. Um, it, you know, it's not just the financial struggles. But to me, it, it's always been, and now that we're in our fourth um, adoption, it's really difficult for me um, to have that process rely 
on other people's judgment of us. Um, You know, it's not just that people have to come into your home and make sure that you're safe, but that um, other people have to read your paperwork and um, determine just by reading what they see if you're suitable or not. And so, right. And so that's that's been um, a little bit difficult for me. The other thing um, that's been hard for me, and and this might be a little bit more because we have adopted outside of our race. um, I always forget that my children are adopted. They're just my kids. Um, They're just, you know, my sons. But when I step out of our home and I see the reaction that the world has to us, that we're different, um, because, you know, our world, we focus so much on that biological connection. It's, um, you know, that blood matters thing. And, um, and I love the part where we sit at the table and none of us are biologically connected, but the world doesn't necessarily like that. And so um, it, it, their view of it um, sometimes is that it's sad or that it's broken or that it's not the best that it can be. But when I'm at home, it's when I see them, they're, they're my children. It's the best that we can be. It's not second best. It's not broken. There's nothing wrong with it. And so that's kind of hard to see other people's reaction to that. Probably more, more than we could imagine our family to be. God's plan was way more than my little idea of a freckle-faced, red-headed kid yeah. playing baseball. <laughs> it's a good. different plan. Uh, Patrick's the baseball coach at Faulkner, if you didn't catch that. <laughs> but... um. You know, that's one thing I love about this church. I believe hopefully this is a safe place mm-hmm. where, where all has been embraced, you know. And you're, we're breaking down some of those walls. But here's the, the point I really want to get to. Um, okay, no question you have given so much. And so how has this made you happy? Well, there's, there's a little bit of misconception. And it was hit on with the panel. I think that was amazing what was said in the panel, just how... Um, we've rescued this child and we've got this child and what would their, child, what would their life be like without them? And I, one thing I want to flip the coin over on the other side is to say, ask, I had to ask myself, what would my life be like without my children? Like they rescued us. Um, God revealed who he was through that unconditional love they, that we have and the bond we have with each other and um, instead of praying about it, I, I mentioned in first service how I, yesterday I glued my finger to a headset that our kids had broken the car, but that was everybody. And, and trying to get that off of the headset, that bond that was there when I tore it apart, it bled and it hurt. And that's the bond we have with our adopted children that's no different than a biological child. And um, we, we got to meet Kenan's birth mom, Robin, and one of the most sacrificial example of sacrifice that I've ever seen in my life is for a birth mom to want more for their child's life. And when we got to the hospital, the, the nurse came in with Keenan when we were first sitting there and said, this the mom, mama, do you want to feed the baby? And Robin looked at us and said, that's God's baby. His mom's right there. And if it had not been for our children, I'm not sure I would even be here because of what God revealed how he revealed himself to me through our children. I think that's such a strong statement. I wouldn't have been here. I, I love the way you put it earlier. They saved me. I didn't save them. Hey, Beth, how about you? How, how, how is this um, more happiness? 
Well, I think so many times we focus on um, the tragedy of adoption, and um, uh, we talk a lot about where the children have been. And so many times I think about where I was before God rescued me. And um, really, I truly believe this, and I don't mean to offend anyone here um, who might disagree with me, and that's cool if you do. But... um, (laughs) This is right. I really believe that all of the baggage and the things that are broken inside of us, that love heals them. And I think that God heals that brokenness in that past. And so even though my children um, might have um, some tragedy in their story in the beginning, I believe that God has and can heal them, and that the love that that he gives us to show them heals them. Um, one thing that Patrick had said earlier, um, I always try to talk to the kids before Orphan Sunday because I'm, you know, always like, oh, is it going to make them sad? Are they going to be sad when they're talking about orphans? And a few years ago, heading to Orphan Sunday, I looked over at Miller and I said, oh my goodness, I forgot to tell you, today is Orphan Sunday. I just wanted to warn you, I hope that you're not sad. And he looked at me and he said, but mom, I'm not an orphan anymore. Mm. And he tells us frequently that he is thrilled, that he is happy, that he's joyful. And um, and I really believe that in our home that we have found joy, that we have found happiness and abundance through the fact that that we, none of us, are related. And one other thing that I wanted to say, I'm sorry, this is kind of a, another side story. Is it time to be quiet? You were sort of tapper at a signal. Yeah, yes. yeah. Um, one of the great things that um, I've gotten from adoption is that it has shown me that I can love anyone Mm. unconditionally. And I wanted to say that specifically in this room because Jonathan and Catherine, Kylie, I'm not sure if Marco's here. um, There are people in our lives that I, is Marco here? Oh, there he is. (laughs) Um, Anyway. Yes. um, Told you we had more. (laughs) um, But anyway, the, um, God has put um, certain people in our lives And I truly love them in an unconditional way. And I didn't realize until we adopted that 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 was possible. And so it's opened up a realm of relationship for me um, with my, you know, the life groups that we have been blessed to be in with the family and the the people that you guys that I commune with every Sunday. You truly are my family. And I I love that. I I do think that you're so correct about this and that, in this process, you guys probably understand God better than the rest of us because it's God who adopts us into his family, you know, and all, all the parallels are there. I read a few years ago that the most godly thing any of us could do would be to do what you guys are doing because that's a reflection of the heart of God. In fact, let's look at this passage, Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verses 4 and 5, where, where he talks about this just for a moment. If we can flip to that next slide. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy. Here you go, what you're saying. And without fault in his eyes, God sees us perfect. Go to the next verse. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And so, you know, as we celebrate this today, we've also got to celebrate all of our adoption in Christ. And uh, so we're about to do a few things together. I'm going to ask Patrick to pray in just a moment. 
Well, let me let me tell you what we're doing over the next couple songs, and so pay real close attention. Uh, we are going to communion tables in just a moment, and they're scattered across the worship center. And, and I would like to invite you today uh, to really focus on what your adoption in Christ means to you. What it means to you that God chose you before the foundation of the world, that you were chosen. Maybe it's gone through life never being chosen, but you've been chosen by God. You've been adopted. So, so meditate on that. Talk about that. But also while we're doing this, there may be some of you that are, are touched today to think about that. I don't think we've ever had an Orphan Care Sunday where someone didn't, this wasn't the day they said, you know what, we'd be interested in that. So Patrick and Katie Beth are going to come sit down here on the front row. Also, uh, Jimmy Dobbs is going to be up here. Jimmy, if you'd come on down here. Andy and Melissa Johnson. Brian and Kristen Davis, who I know have been uh, involved in um, foster care. Uh, the McFarlands, we invite you guys to come. But any of you guys I've just mentioned, if you'd come on and, and take your seat on the front row. Um, if, and if you, during this next time of worship, if you want to talk to some of these people, then please feel free just to come sit beside them and say, Hey, God's moving or we've been thinking about this. Help me out here and let's talk about it a little bit. But also while we're singing and while we're going to the table, if today's the day that you want, as someone in first service decided to become a Christian and you want to to be baptized, come meet me down front. Or today you need to confess something before the church and, and receive prayers because Satan is whispering in your ear that you're not worthy. And you need to hear from God's people that you're adopted into this family. You need us to pray for you. I also invite you to meet us. So we're going to sing a couple songs and uh, come to the table. If you need to wind up down here with somebody praying, then uh, we invite you to do that. So Patrick, thank you and Katie Beth for sharing so openly. Before we go to the table, would you pray about what we're about to do? Almighty Father, Daddy, we just come before you thanking you for the unconditional gift that we've been given, God, to be children of yours. God, that we could come freely before you and know that we are redeemed, that we are whole, that we are loved, that, God, you've put things in our past God, maybe some of those things are, are difficult and challenging and they've been put in our past. Maybe, God, that you will be glorified now in, in, in the next few years and down the road, God, that in all that happens in our lives, God, that through adoption and closeness to you and the unique relationship we can have with your Son and the Holy Spirit, God, that we can know and be assured God, that you will be glorified despite any tragedy, despite any pain, that you will be glorified, that we could lean on you. God, thank you for the idea that we as a spirit just can be adopted by you and that you will love us through everything that ever happens. Um, Just the same as a, a biological father and mother love their children, God, that that our love can be the same for any person that we have, that we encounter in this church, God, but also outside this church, God, that, that we be um, the, your adopted children that show the love that you gave us, the gift that was given to us. 
And God, we're, we're only able to ask these things because your son and his death and him coming and giving his body, that we might take the bread and the cup, God, that we might remember your love, your mercy, and your forgiveness as we do this together as a family. In the Christ, I ask these things. Amen.